0: My guest today is George Frankel. Uh, He's the founder and head of Eternal Reefs. George, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. How about yourself, Richard?
0: Good. Yeah, I'm glad we connected. Thank you. Um, Tell me about uh, Eternal Reefs. What's the premise of the company?
1: Well, Eternal Reefs uh, is a not-for-profit 501c3 that is focused on helping to preserve and protect the marine environment for future generations through the use Mm -hmm. of memorialization. So what we actually do is we work with families that have chosen cremation and help them create an artificial reef called a reef ball that includes their loved one's cremated remains. We put a plaque on it, identifying it as their loved one's uh, particular reef, and then we place them in permitted locations to create new habitat for fish and other sea life. The real magic if you will in the process is encouraging and having the families actually participate in making the reef what we find is that uh when we lose somebody in the traditional sense you go down to the funeral home you make a handful of decisions you write a check and from that point going forward the funeral director and their staff handles everything and you kind of become another third person in the back of the room and having dealt with my own parents, my brother, and two of my aunts and uncles, uh, and having to make their arrangements, I was pretty sensitive to that, and you feel powerless. So involving the families in making the reef gives them the opportunity to participate and feel like they've got some control over the loss process. When they get done and when they finally see what these reefs grow into and ultimately support and develop, There's just this incredible personal sense of accomplishment and contribution. They know they've done a good thing, and they know that their loved one is serving a very valuable and meaningful purpose that will benefit future generations.
0: Yeah, how did you come up with this? It seems like a very unusual thing to
1: figure out. I wish wish that I could take credit for it. Um, It was a group of University of Georgia students that were all divers together that had been diving on the same reef locations and could literally, specifically down in the Florida Keys, and they could see from one trip to the next the degradation of the reefs they were diving on, and wow. ultimately decided that they really wanted to focus on doing something that would um, make a, a, you know, hopefully repair some of the damage. And they came up with the design of the reef ball. And the design is absolutely brilliant. Reef balls are round, they're hollow, they're vented. And the ones that we use for memorialization started about 750 pounds and go up to 3,800 pounds. So they're very substantial, but they're designed wow. to be stable in the marine environment. There are two fundamental questions that had to be answered. One was, will it stay where it's put? And that's the round, vented design of the reef ball. And two, is it something that Mother Nature wants to work with to create a new reef and to support mm. that? they created a brand-new concrete formula, marine-grade concrete, that is pH neutral, and they textured the outer surface. So as soon as we put a memorial reef in the ocean, Mother Nature can go right to work on it and start to – we we refer to the ocean as a nutrient-rich desert. You've got all these microorganisms floating around looking for someplace to land and grow and and, uh, develop, and by virtue of having the reef ball – and having the uh, textured outer surface, there's a place for these microorganisms to land, to mature and start to propagate before predators can feed on them. So we get growth starting to show up on these reefs in just a few short weeks, depending upon water conditions. Hmm. So they say whatever you're supposed to do.
0: No, that's great. I, I was picturing like a very rough, uh, you know, like it's almost like a diver's helmet, I guess, you know, that bubbles would come out of in a fish tank. But I'm picturing yep. like a very rough concrete uh you know sphere with holes in it and bubbles coming out and yeah, it makes sense that uh you know life could uh could start on there pretty easily
1: what i was going to say is one of the the key features is it allows juvenile fish <clears throat> a place to hide from larger predatory fish mm. and so it really is it's a ha- the whole program is designed around habitat development is it
0: how big is the uh sphere
1: The sphere, it is, the smallest one that we use is three feet across and two feet high. And like I said, it weighs about 750 pounds. And then the largest one we'll do is six feet across and five feet high. And that's the one that weighs about 3,800 pounds.
0: I mean, how many, I mean, what have you seen when 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 stuff grows on it? Like what happens? You know, do multiple different colonies of fish take up residence in it? Or, you know, what does it look like after like a few months or a year or something?
1: everything depends obviously on the water conditions and what exists in that particular area because we work everywhere from south padre island in texas all the way up to atlantic city in new jersey so we work with a lot of different water conditions and what you'll see is whatever colonizes that particular area will start to grow and propagate and i will tell you that in a year using maybe our miami location These are almost looking like natural reef systems and give it, you know, 10 or 15 years and they will be indistinguishable between natural reef systems and what they have grown into. Hmm.
0: I guess to make a joke, the mafia would like it because then you could sleep with the fishes, literally, you know.
1: Everybody's a comedian, but I got to tell you this, Richard. When (laughs) we first started, we uh, appeared on the front page of The New York Times and we were doing a project up in Ocean City, New Jersey. And that night, Jay Leno, when he was doing his monologue, started his monologue by saying, I just read in the Times where they're burying people in concrete off New Jersey. What's so new about that? So you're on the right track. <laughs>
0: What's the, what, what happens to the, uh, the ashes, though? Are they um, fired into the concrete? Are they, like, baked into it? Or where, where are they?
1: They, they? they are thoroughly mixed into the concrete while the concrete is wet. And they are inert material that is just a contributing factor to the strength of the concrete. So mm. you are, in fact, going to be the reef. We that makes have,
0: sense. I mean, uh,
1: there are so many parts to this, Richard, that are really kind of um, unique. One, of course, is because it's a cremation memorial. There's no sense of urgency to get something done. And as a result, a lot of times it may be a year or two years or even longer before families come to work with us. And for the most part, the heavy grieving is really over with. There's still plenty of tears, but the reality is now they're ready to put a period there and turn the page and move on. And so it's closure. We also hear from families, and we hear this a lot, uh, parents telling us that this was the ideal way to introduce a child to loss. There's no body, Mm. there's no casket, there's no open hole in the ground or slow, solemn music. What they refer to it as is an arts and crafts project. Our kids are sitting here, they're mixing concrete and grandpa, and they're going to put handprints in the wet concrete, and they're going to draw little pictures with their fingers. And so it really is a very healthy way to introduce a child to to, to a recent loss and at the same time give them a the sense of the circle of life. You know, something new, something uh, valuable is going to grow from this reef when we sure. put it in the ocean. That's good. That's better than.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, it's better than embalming someone and, you know, they're full of chemicals and they're in the ground and they can leach into groundwater and no one ever sees them again and they don't benefit anyone and take up space. And I mean, it seems better in every single way possible.
1: Well, and you're seeing the the, the transition right now in society. Uh, first off, mm. we've now crossed the 50 percent cremation rate. So more than 50 percent of people are now choosing to be cremated. And the other really? part is you're starting to see you know I know this is a, a future tech podcast, but we are actually as a society returning to a much simpler time. You're seeing the growth of natural or conservation burial without the use of expensive caskets, uh, headstones or vault liners. Um, people are now being buried to preserve ecologically important pieces of land. We work as eternal reefs very closely with the Green Burial Council. And we refer to ourselves as the surf and turf of the natural burial movement what the green burial council is doing to preserve land is largely what we're looking to do to preserve the ocean and you're seeing the societal shift whereby people are now looking for value and they don't see the same value in a six thousand dollar casket than they do in an eternal reef or a tree growing in a preserve somewhere
0: yeah yeah, it makes a lot of sense when families first hear about this opportunity, I mean, what's their reactions, you know, like in general?
1: Well, when we first started out, we'd get in a conversation with somebody, everybody would start to laugh, and then in the middle of their laughter, they would stop and literally look us in the eye and say, you know, I know somebody who that's perfect for. Huh. So we kinda knew right away that there was something here and it really kind of resonated beyond just our own circle. Um yeah. now what we hear we, we invite people to look at our website. We invite people to look at our YouTube channel uh, and actually see what these reefs grow into. But the real reality is people are becoming more and more aware of the concept of conservation memorialization. We're getting instant recognition and acceptance. And that was really the key is to try to get awareness to a point where people understood what this was and accepted it for what its value would be in terms of a contribution.
0: Right. Hmm. Interesting. Um, any problems with any of the using any of the waterways? I mean who has rights, let's say to the bottom of a of a certain river or you know an or ocean like how do you decide where you can put people or not or make a reef
1: great question when we first started out as eternal reefs, we made the conscious decision that we were in the reef building area of the industry, if you will, and we're really kind of using memorialization and cremation as the tool to be a reef builder. So, every single thing that Turtle Reefs does is very heavily regulated. We only use permitted reef sites that have been designated specifically for development as recreational fishing and diving sites or preserves of one nature or another. Everything that we do must get reported. There is, in each state or in Florida, in each county, there is an individual designated as the reef coordinator, and we work hand-in-hand with that person. As we do our projects, there are pre-deployment notifications that have to go to various federal and state agencies. And then once we have done the project, there are additional reports that have to be forwarded on to the state and federal agencies. So we are very heavily regulated. Everything that we do is approved beforehand. Mm. And so, again, we we chose the fact that we are reef builders as opposed to looking at this as part of the funeral industry. It was a conscious decision. Okay,
0: Okay, very interesting. Where where do you see um, your path ahead? What's next uh, in terms of innovation?
1: I think first off what you're going to see is you're going to see a watershed change in memorialization as the concept of natural memorials takes over. And we believe that in the not terribly distant future, the concept of eternal reefs will become a mainstream memorial choice. So we're gearing ourselves for that eventuality. Um, there are a lot of other memorial choices that are starting to evolve things for example you can shoot remains into the outer space you can make some remains into a diamond and some other different types of memorial choices but one of the things that we say is eternal Reefs can use all some or none of the cremated remains we'll use as much as a family wishes us to use so we've actually had families who have taken a portion of the remains and shot them into space, then taken another portion and made them into diamonds for family members, and taken the remainder and gone ahead and made an eternal reef. So you're going to see the entire concept of memorialization undergo an incredible watershed event uh, in the not terribly distant future, and we do think that the future of the concept of eternal reefs is going to be that it's the mainstream memorial choice.
0: Since you, um, you know, you take the ashes and mix them in with concrete and make this concrete structure. What about, I mean, stuff for the home, you know, a paver that looks like a headstone with, you know, maybe something written on it, you know, to memorialize the person or, you know, other concrete structures or, or reefs sure. plenty and enough?
1: Yeah, there, well, there are plenty of other options. There are other organizations out there that will create the stone pavers for your driveway and, and memorials of that nature. We've decided that we're part of the best reef building team in the world, and that's really what hmm. we want to be doing. And so we've kind of looked at this thing, at least from the reef side, that we're reef builders. That's what we're going to build. Um, yeah. So if somebody wants to, to do paving stones, we can certainly point them in a direction where they may be able to get that done. But it's not something that we, in our mind, certainly at this point in time in our development cycle, are looking at.
0: <clears throat> Is there any danger of uh, having too many of these things in, the, uh, you know, in a waterway and clogging it
1: up? Um, as long as we continue to treat this as a reef building process, the answer to that question would be no. If it's a question of just turning these things over to families and letting them put them wherever they want or wherever they think they ought to go, the answer is it's going to be a problem. This is mm, one area okay. for, for a simple example, quite honestly, is the Coast Guard has to approve everything that we do. And that's because of the navigable waterways requirements. So somebody who really doesn't know out of total naivety could take one of these types of reef memorials and put them someplace where they really shouldn't be. This is, uh, right, there gotcha. is a lot to the reef building industry, a, a tremendous amount. There's engineering, there's just all kinds of regulatory schemes that have to be dealt with.
0: So what do you see is that after a few weeks, stuff starts growing. I mean, what are the, some of the oldest, um, you know, reefs that you made and what's happened with them?
1: They are thriving ecosystems unto themselves um like some of them are absolutely indistinguishable from natural reefs most of them are completely covered up with fish life fish will move onto to these reefs as we are putting them on the bottom so the habitat side of this thing is, is very well documented and again our youtube channel with with video just shows an incredible progression as we've documented these reefs over six months six months six months and shown what they'll develop into the, the, it, it The best thing I can tell you about the reef ball, it does exactly what we say it's going to do and it stays where it's supposed to stay. I'm not going to tell you Mother Nature can't move something, but I will tell you if she decides to move these reef balls, you probably have much bigger problems on land than you do in the ocean.
0: Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. I'm looking at pictures of them online. Yeah, they make sense. Hmm. Yeah, they do look pretty natural after a little while. Yeah, and fish can swim in and out of them and everything.
1: They are brilliant in terms of their design and their application.
0: Like underwater coconuts or something, or Swiss cheeses, you know?
1: I refer to them as wiffle balls that have been cut in half, but yep.
0: Oh, yeah. Yep. There you go. There you go.
1: And you can see how the water can breathe in and out of these and not have a place for storm energy to really build up and push them around.
0: Right. Okay. Well, very cool. So what's what's the best way for people to find out more and to uh, check into availability and pricing and all that stuff and to contact you?
1: You can visit our website at www.eternalreefs.com. And our Facebook fan page, which just Saturday night crossed the 20,000 fan page threshold, um, Hmm. is Facebook backslash Eternal Reefs.
0: Very good. Well, George, thanks for coming on the line. I really appreciate it.
1: Richard, thank you so much for having us on. And uh, just let me know when this is going to be on the the, uh, website.
0: You have been listening to Almost Here